The reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Sorry. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to get into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said instead, Go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. May God open his word of life to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's a great privilege and pleasure to be with you in Crowhurst for this week. And um, if, if, if you think it's good, then thank Steve. If you think it's bad, then tell David. <laughs> 
This morning I want to, us to think about this extraordinary story that Colleen has just read for us. Uh, Jesus healing the Gadarene demoniac or the Gerasene demoniac. Let's not worry about those, those bits of it. But Jesus has just... In, uh, this story is in both Mark, Matthew and Luke, so we always need to pay attention to stories that are in all three Gospels, in my opinion. Um, and this comes in Mark's Gospel. It comes immediately after Jesus has stilled the storm. So... Jesus brings peace to the chaos of creation in the stilling of the storm and in the healing of this demoniac. He brings peace to the chaos of the individual. And Jesus is telling of his power and who he is and what God can do to us and our lives. And this is a man who has an unclean, an impure, a demoniac spirit, whichever words you want to use that are helpful, then please use them, who is in chains. And we have seen on our television screens over the years, I'm sure people on uh, chained in various imprisonments, even today, in some places in the world. Um, and I, I still feel sick in my stomach when I see the chains on their feet so they can only walk that far, as well as, you know, the chains on the hand. Now, I don't know whether this man was chained like that, but however he was chained, he was chained. And his, his spirit just broke out of the chains and he self-harmed. So this is a man who is really, one might say, very poorly <laughs> um, or very disturbed. And yet, when he sees Jesus, he comes and bows before him. Perhaps part of why we're here this morning is to come and kneel and bow before Jesus. And then shout, you know, what do you want to do with me? I know who you are. My spirit recognizes you. And uh, Jesus says, come out of him, and then says, what is your name? Jesus goes to the heart of this man, as he goes to the heart of each of every one of us. He sees the clear identity, the DNA, runs, running through this chapter as he sees our own DNA, with all that we are, all that our makeup is, all that we carry. And in a sense, in this, we have a sort of clash of spiritualities. We have a sort of oil and water moment. They don't mix. There's this guy with one lot, and there's Jesus here with the other. Um, in a past life, when I was a vicar, uh, <laughs> now I'm just a happy retired, um, I, I was on a baptism visit. We had an open baptism policy in the parish in which I was. And I went to see this couple, and they, we were talking about them wanting their baby baptised, and that was all great. And, um, and they said, oh, you know, well, we go to church. And I, I looked at them, and I thought, you know, we didn't have a big congregation. I was pretty sure they hadn't been, you know. And uh, 
Uh, and I said, oh, I said, you know, which, which church is that? Thinking, I'm sure, you know, you might have been for a funeral, but I don't think, you're not a regular, you know, we had 70, but anyway. And uh, they said, oh, you know, we go to the spiritualist church. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this is one of those moments, that oil and water moment, if you like, that what is the truth? So I said, oh, um, <laughs> then I thought, well, do I take a step back? Well, do you do know who I am? I am the vicar of the Anglican church that sort of, you know, the address is here. Uh, and, and they wanted a mixture of spiritualities. And I think we live today very often in a pick-and-mix culture. I'll have a bit of this for, 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 you know, when I want to go to church or when I want to get in touch with the dead, and then I'll have a bit of this for the baby because we can have a nice baptism and the church is quite pretty and we have a good picture. And I'll have a bit of this when, you know, I want a quiet moment or, or whatever. And um, we had a much longer conversation, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, and I was quite clear that I could not perform the baptism unless they were clear about what it was they were promising. And I prayed hard that God would then fulfill the promises if they chose to make them, you know, one of those prayers. Um, so, and in fact, they chose not to have the baby baptised, which I think was probably a good choice because I don't think they were ready to make that commitment and I felt it was much more... It was much more full of integrity. But, you know, what, what are those things that um, hit us, that are difficult for us, that are our part of our picks and mix, if you like? When Jesus says to you, you know, what is your name? What do we say? How do we identify ourselves? And if we're chained with any kind of addiction whether it's pornography or alcohol or chocolate uh, or, you know, I'm looking forward to going home to have a glass of wine. There you see, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up there, you know, I, I know that. Um, is Jesus coming to free us from those chains? Because I believe he is. I, that's, I believe that's part of our, our healing journey. And... We need to own that. We need to name it. You know, what chains are still binding you. Um, I've done a lot of work with people who've been abused both in childhood and adulthood, and those encounters can chain, chain people and trigger people into, you know, places of memory and, 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 and. And uh, it's about actually letting Jesus bring his love and his healing and his breaking of the chains into those situations. Uh, and when I was uh, chaplain at the Living Well in the Diocese of Canterbury, um, I have her permission to tell her story. I, I had a lovely person who came to see me. And, um, I mean, all the people who came to see me were lovely. Sorry. Uh, anyway, she was, she, she was talking about uh, very difficult relationships that she had with her family who lived in South Africa. And um, in a sense, some of those, those memories and some of the, the things that she remembered and that chained her. And she was going out to South Africa. And so we prayed into uh, the breaking of those chains and, and the good relationship could be restored and there could be both honesty and truth and light and forgiveness. And um, 
as she was leaving, her hand on the door, her hand on the door, she said, oh, and could you pray for my back as well? Because I'm, it, it's her, it, it, it's her, I've got osteoporosis. So I'm thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, I had the most wonderful email from her. Um, and uh, she had been to South Africa and she had uh, written me saying, God answered our prayers in greater abundance than I could ever imagine with my family. And she entitled her email to me of being in my own eyes. Because she said for the first time, she felt she was in her own eyes. She was both seeing out and being seen in by those relationships in the family. And uh, she finished the email by saying, and I'm sure if God's done the greater work in South Africa, the back is already on its way. <laughs> and then I had an, an email about three months later saying, I went to the doctors and they did all these tests and there is no sign of the osteoporosis anywhere. So, you know, hallelujah, thank you, God. But she recognised what her chains were and where she needed healing. And I thought it was very funny that the physical bit was just secondary, really. It was like an afterword, wasn't it? But God did the lot, because that's what God does. And God does the lot with this man. Because he says, you know, what is your name? And he said, Legion. And um, he doesn't want to be sent out of his area. Place is important to us. And sometimes we know that we can't manage if we're suddenly, you know, dumped or planted or in a different place. And uh, so, anyway, Jesus deals with him there and, you know, the swine. And I'm not going to go into all the sort of Jewish Gentile stuff about that because that's not really what I want to talk about today. Um, the next bit that I want to talk about is the people see what had happened. So they watch this. And they come to Jesus and see the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they beg Jesus to leave. Please don't come into our church, Jesus, because you create chaos. And, you know, we can't handle it. And you do healings. And people who are mad are in their right mind. And we don't know how to deal with them now. So please just go. You know? <laughs> And in a sense, one could ask the question, were those who asked Jesus to leave chained by what they could handle and what they couldn't handle? And sometimes we can't handle God's healing touch. Sometimes we can't handle the journey that we're called to do. Sometimes we don't want to do the hard work that healing can sometimes be. And the man is there, sat, clothed, and in his right mind. He's inside his eyes, as it were. And uh, as Jesus is leaving, the man who didn't want to really leave the area says, can I come with you? Can I come and be your disciple? Can I hang out with you? Not an unreasonable question, 
I don't think, when something like this has happened. And Jesus' reply is no. No. Actually, your job is to spread the gospel. Your job is to tell others of all that God has done for you. Your job, if you like, is to, you know, bring people where they can meet with Jesus. Bring people to Crowhurst. Share what God has done and is doing for you and with you. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis city how much God had done. So our call is often to, I think there are several things, but to identify our own chains and allow and invite God in his healing Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus to break those chains that bind us. I think that we're called to be clothed afresh that whole armour of God that enables us to understand something of the demonic. Geoffrey John, in his book, talks about Jesus in this way. Jesus heals the most untouchable of the untouchables and makes this man in chains, in effect, his first apostle to other Gentiles. He does it unambiguously in the role of God himself as an enactment of what God is really like. A God who combines his unimaginable power with an unimaginable, all-embracing love. A God who combines his unimaginable power with an unimaginable, all-embracing love. And he goes on to quote Walter Wink as well, saying the unique method of opposing and ultimately healing the demonic forces that Christ taught and exemplified is one of non-retaliatory spiritual resistance which relies on God's power alone. We can't do this stuff, as it were, without God's power and we're called, I think, to both, do both, to do it all. You know, I don't think this is just one chap on a hillside. I think this is each and every one of us. Both what chains us and what might be chaining our, our communities, our places of worship, our streets, and seek that healing that breaking of the chains. This story is not about personal exorcism. It's more about God's ability to defeat and reorder the disordered powers that afflict both individuals and communities. I think I want to end there because I think that's such a good uh, quote.
Thomas Parker has written this prayer that I think goes with this theme. Weave a pattern of making in my heart, O Christ the surpriser. Untie the knots that have pulled me back. And as you take each important strand, help me to make a gift of it to you, no matter how many years of significance I have attached to it. Though I weep for my cherished dreams, rage for my long-kept pain, sigh for my unfulfilled past times, complain about my dashed hopes, still untie me, because while I may feel the loss of these, I know you are weaving a better pattern, one that reflects the stitching of your cross and the crown of your life.